Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website www.exchangechurch.org.au. Thanks, Joe. Um, she had a very difficult passage to read there in the book of Romans. Then I think she very quickly said yes on the text, and then she might have had a second look at that when she saw what passage she had to read. Probably the hardest passage to read in the in the New Testament there with all those uh, names. But uh, you'll see how that links in with our talk today as uh, we finish off the book of Colossians. And that's exactly what we are going to do now. We move to uh, a very important part of our service. We worship God uh, through the preaching of his word. And uh, the last few months we've been in the book of Colossians and today's actually our our final talk in the book of Colossians there. You can go back to the website and you can find all the previous talks that we have done there on the book of Colossians. Uh, Just to set the scene for today's talk though, there's this thing that we have with Facebook where we uh, gather friends or we invite friends to our Facebook page. You know, you invite them to your page and you get to make some, some sort of connection with them there in that sense. And they see what you're doing and you see what they're doing is what happens with Facebook. And Facebook can be a great way, actually, to make connections with people. It can be very, very helpful in that sense. But I'm not sure how helpful Facebook is for developing deep and meaningful relationship in friendships either. I'm not sure it can do that all that well. You see, we don't really get to know who people are on Facebook. We only get to see what they want us to see. And often on social media, they only show us the good bits and not necessarily some of the other parts of their life as well. Nonetheless, friends is what we're trying to do with perhaps with a Facebook, is connect with friends. Friends are really important. Friends are really important. Uh, God has ordained that we be his people in a community through friendships. And we're going to see that today here as Paul closes out Colossians for us. So if you've got your Bibles, please go to Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to read from verses 7 through to 18. 7 through to 18. Starting in verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who was one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is also called Justice... These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. 
Grace be with you. Father, we uh, give you thanks and praise that we can come this morning again and open up this word. We ask and pray now that, Holy Spirit, you will take this word and you will breathe life into this word, into our hearts. Lord, even as we now uh, go across the internet and into people's lounge rooms, into people's uh, bedrooms, wherever they may be watching this right now, uh, we ask and pray that, Holy Spirit, you would do a work through your word to awaken us to Christ to awaken us to the gospel transformation that you want to produce in us and to know that you will do this through friends. So I pray now, let us see just how important friends are that you've called us to be in community with. Uh, Lord, I ask for your help now and I ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've reached the conclusion here of the book of Colossians. I've loved studying this and seeing the beauty of Christ with the transforming power of the gospel all the way through Colossians. Paul's never been to Colossae, but he hears that Epaphras, who has gone there and planted a church, and not only in Colossae, but also in Laodicea and Heropolis, as we just saw there in Paul's closing remarks. Two close-by towns. They're in the Lycus Valley, probably about a day's walk between each of these towns. Epaphras has gone there and planted churches. So Paul's written uh, to them to set the truth before them because of false teaching that had crept into the church and that was trying to infiltrate its way into their lives. And the best way that Paul knows how to reveal the truth is to hold up the supremacy of Christ as sufficient in all things. Here's what Paul told them earlier on in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20, he says this, He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now I read that, and I say, game, set, match. Blow the siren, it's all over. Don't look any further than Jesus Christ. He is supreme in all things. He's sovereign in all things. He's our loving saviour. That is probably one of the most glorious anthems of praise that Paul could write there. It's game over as far as we're concerned. It's all about Christ. But Paul again, partway through this letter, says to them in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, this. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. This is where life is found, to set our minds on things above, to set our minds on Christ. If you're looking for fulfillment and meaning in life, look no further than Jesus Christ. He is it. If you read through Colossians, the whole letter is breathing of the gospel of redemption and transformation. It's filled with it permeating with it. Paul is captivated by Christ gladly and lovingly as he writes this letter. It's naturally flowing out of his transformed and changed heart. 
So now as we see this close to this letter, we see a very personal touch here to the life of the early church and with Paul. You see, Paul isn't on this gospel journey alone. He's part of a team that's working together for the glory of Christ and for the growth of Jesus' kingdom right throughout the world. Paul's got friends. He's got lots of friends. And here's our big idea for today. It's this. Friends are a blessing from the Lord that help us to be encouraged, comforted and confident in Christ and in building his kingdom. Friends, they're a blessing from the Lord that help us to be encouraged, comforted and confident in Christ and building his kingdom. First one, friends support. As we read this, we see it's a very, very real letter. Uh, Paul's mentioning here a whole bunch of different people who've contributed to his life and are also contributing to the growth of the gospel in Colossae and in surrounding towns. It's very personal. You see all these names that are there. It's a bit like me sending an email to somebody and telling them, hey, just tell Dave up the road, when I come back through next time, I'll drop off that drill. It's just like this personal sense here of all these different names uh, in this letter. And Paul actually mentions... Ten different people here in this close. It's very similar to what Joe read for us before in Romans 16. There's lots of people through there as well, where Paul's personally mentioning these names of people who've done something who are working alongside of him in the cause of the gospel. These ten different people here show us that Paul wasn't a one-man band. Paul wasn't a lone ranger doing everything on his own. Paul didn't sort of ride off into the sunset like, I'm the man, there's no one else with me. Paul was part of a team. Paul worked with others and Paul needed others also in his own life. And others also were needed to see the gospel grow and extend so that more and more people could discover Jesus as well. Now these friends of Paul's from Jesus gave him mutual support in encouragement, comfort, And in confidence, if you look towards the end of verse 8 there, you see this, that he, Tychicus that is, may encourage your hearts. This is what God does. He uses other people to encourage us. Friends are a gift of God's grace to encourage us in life through all of its ups and downs. They journey with us and they encourage us. If you look at the end of verse 11 here, where Paul summarises amongst a whole bunch of people who comfort him, who comfort him. You'll see there there's Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark and Jesus. Now you might be thinking, is it Jesus? No, no, Jesus is a very common name back then in, uh, in the uh, Middle Eastern times, uh, Justice. All are friends who've been a comfort to Paul. They've comforted him. Again, God in his own gracious way has used these friends in Paul's life to bring Paul comfort in his times of need. They brought comfort to him. And look again in verse 12, uh, where we see his friends uh, bringing confidence to others. Epaphras is a friend and pastor who's been praying for his people, but he's also working towards something for these people. What's he pray for? That you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. What's Epaphras trying to do? God's using Epaphras to help grow people in maturity, to grow in confidence in their salvation through the gospel. That's what God does. He uses people who he brings into our lives to help us be confident in the gospel. 
Isn't that loving and generous of God? He brings friends into our lives. He grows us through friends. You see, friends are an encouragement. They're a comfort. And they help provide confidence for us in Christ as well. Now, if we think about Paul's friends here, they do come from a list of varying backgrounds, as it were. They're not all from the same subset. Paul's got them from all over the place. Uh, In verse 9, we see Onesimus there. Who's he? He's a runaway slave. He's not the sort of guy who's going to get you into all the high places of life. Uh, The next one we see there is uh, Mark, who's in verse 10. Who's Mark? Well, Mark's actually a deserter. If you read back early on in the early missionary journeys with uh, Paul and Barnabas, Mark shot through on Paul, left him high and dry, pulled out, took off, went AWOL. He was a deserter. If you go into verse 14, you'll see there Demas. And if you read through the, the letters, you'll see later on that actually Demas turned away from the gospel. He would have been a huge disappointment to Paul, I'm sure of that. And maybe possibly he was showing some signs of that here. We don't know for sure, but we know later on that Demas did turn away. Very backgrounds are the people here that Paul had as friends. But that's not all, though, when it comes to various backgrounds of, in, of the life of uh, Paul's friends. Uh, there's two groups here mentioned, actually, in, in this uh, closing remarks. And one group is uh, mentioned of, of Tychicus, of Onesimus, Aristarchus, Mark, and Jesus, or Justice. And they're all Jewish by nationality. And there's another group of names mentioned later on in this close. There's Epaphras, there's Luke, and there's Demas. They're all non-Jews. They're all Gentiles. Now, 2,000 years ago, that would be a very toxic mix of people. To have Jews and Gentiles together in the same room was like waiting for a time bomb to go off. There was just going to be a major clash there. Possibly something similar today. And I've got no sort of axe to grind here one way or the other. Possibly today, if you put timber loggers in the same room with environmentalists and try to say, can you please have a nice, quiet, gentle discussion? It may not happen like that. But what's this show us about Paul? The gospel unites people of all sorts of backgrounds to become our friends. This diversity of background actually is a powerful thing to help broaden our vision of all people groups and different types of people and appreciate God's work all through their life. This is the glorious thing about the gospel in uniting us together as friends, in friendship, from all these various backgrounds. Now, let's also look at the bonds between Paul and these people as well as we look at this closing passage here in Colossians. You see, it's more than just friends as we think about this. Paul actually has deep gospel affections for these people. Uh, Verse 7, Tychicus is a beloved brother. Verse 9, Onesimus is a beloved brother too. And verse 14, Luke is a beloved brother as well. You see that word there, beloved, like three times. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of endearment for a friendship that is deeper than just ordinary neighbours up the street. You can be very friendly with your neighbours up the street but they may not be a beloved person. See, these people were just not mere acquaintances for Paul. You see, Paul sees these guys, these people, as family. As family. And you know what? 
They are. They are family. Paul knows that one of the richest gospel blessings is adoption into a heavenly father's family. That is, that people from every tribe, every people group, tongue and nation are adopted into one family. It's going to be one of the most glorious things to look forward to in eternity. A whole range of diverse backgrounds of people coming together in unison and harmony to worship our Lord and Saviour from all this whole diverse range of backgrounds. You see, followers of Jesus are united together in him. And we now share that bond, and that crosses over all the differences in our backgrounds, but, but unites us together for a beautiful mix. A beautiful mix. That's Paul's friends from all these different backgrounds. Now for Paul also, friends come together and they fellowship with each other as well. Friends don't stay apart. Friends actually come together. Look here with with me in verses 15 and 16 where he says this, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. As we said before, Laodicea is a church, sorry, is a town, maybe about five or six or seven miles away from where uh, Colossae is. But what we see here is a beautiful and intimate picture of gospel fellowship. These are friends, Christian brothers and sisters in Christ, hearing the same thing that we are hearing today. Now that's amazing. 2,000 years later, we open up this letter to the Colossians and we read that. The very same thing they're hearing 2,000 years ago. God's word hasn't changed changed, and God's word won't change. You see, they've gathered together with the news that Paul has sent a letter to them. There's excitement building amongst them. Paul sent us a letter. I can imagine them coming into this house, wherever the church may have been. Back then, often it was in houses, sitting around in the room while their leaders read out Paul's letter, while they read out the instructions and the encouragement that comes here from this letter to the Colossians. In that, we get this really uh, sneak peek, as it were, into early church life. Perhaps in regards to the various letters that were circulating between the churches back in those times. Paul says... Make sure you read the letter I sent to the Laodiceans and you send your letter to them as well so they can read the letter I've sent to you. They gathered together and they sat under God's word together as friends. You see, this is the way the church grew in the early years. They gathered together weekly with the apostles teaching, circulating around in letters. Careful copies were made. It wasn't just the one letter going right around the whole Roman world at that time. They made copies, but they were very careful to make copies so they were exact. Made these copies and they distributed them to all the known churches. Made these exact copies available. The elders of the church would keep the copies of those letters at that time. And then on a given time when they met together, probably weekly, the elders would stand and they would read and explain there the apostles' teaching. We just see a picture right there for us in verses 15 and 16. Gathering together to hear the apostles' teaching. And no doubt as they gathered together, friends, under God's word, I'm sure of this, 
food and meals were a very significant part of their gathered hospitality as friends. They would pray. They would hear the apostles' teaching. They would celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I'm absolutely positive they would stay for a meal to develop their friendships in community. Having friendships over food, over a meal, is a great way to develop relationship and to develop gospel connections. It's a great medium to just have a meal together and talk and share our lives together. I'm sure in these environments, in these catch-ups, in these regular meetings, new people would be welcomed. New people would be loved and cared for and they would be nurtured in their faith. Someone's just heard about Jesus. Come and meet with us as we hear the apostles' teaching, celebrate the Lord's Supper together, pray and have a meal together, and they would be welcomed in that. What would happen? New friendships would develop. The gospel community would grow. That's what would take place. And one of the most amazing, strong characteristics of those communities would be joy. Joyful friendships in the gospel and joyful in Christ and who he is. Now, unfortunately, we can't do that currently. We can't gather together. With me here today, there's only four other people. If I could turn the camera around, you could see this sort of spaced around now. You see, what we're doing today isn't church the way God has designed it. You see, sitting at home in our pyjamas with a coffee and a toast up in our chair, watching YouTube on a screen as a single or as a family, isn't truly doing church. That's not church. Now, you may really enjoy your Sundays like that and think this is really easy. I can sort of just roll out of bed and put the kettle on and make a nice coffee and cook myself some bacon and eggs and sit there and watch. You might really enjoy that, but that's not church. That's not what God has for us. That's all we can do at the moment, though, and so we want to make the most of this live stream that we're doing to still be out there to encourage people. But it's not truly church. You see, true gospel fellowship is coming together in person and growing in genuine, loving community. You see, true gospel fellowship is sharing life together through meaningful relationships. Our goal, when the government allows us to, is to get back to what God has provided for us, that is in-person gatherings, both in our Sunday gatherings and our midweek gatherings. It's a wonderful thing where we can gather here on a Sunday morning in a corporate community, large body of people, maybe a hundred or more people here. We sing, we encourage each other through that, we pray, we sit under God's word and then we stop and then we have coffee and tea and cake and we actually build connections, we build friendships. And then after that, hey, do you want to come down the lake? We've got the park on the lake, come out twice there. Do you want to come down the lake and have lunch with us? It's another way of extending the gospel community and growing our friendships and relationships. Now, you might be checking in for the first time here on YouTube, and we want to say thanks for doing that. And you might be thinking, that's the sort of community I want to be part of, a community where people love each other and have these deep, intimate relationships with each other. Jesus is the very centre of that, and we would love you to be a part of this community as we tell you about Christ, and he's the one who holds our community together. But what we see modelled here in this last passage of Colossians is exactly what God designs for us today. 
You see, Paul isn't a one-man band. He had friends. He needed community. We see a whole list of Paul's connections here. Personal relationships and community are what God calls us into through Jesus. God is a communal God. God has always existed in community. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Perfect harmony, perfect unity, perfect community forever. And God calls us into this wonderful community with him. And as part of our EC Vision Plan that we launched back in uh, the start of this year, EC Vision Plan 2025, one of our goals there is to grow community. And we want to put into place all sorts of ways through various ministries to help build people connection and relationships through friendships. The reason why we have EC Kids and EC Youth, Young Adults, Connect and Grow, uh, Ladies Ministries and Men Ministries is we want to build connections, we want to build relationship in and through Christ together in meaningful relationships. And in all those groups, we desire to grow both social connectivity and gospel connectivity, two types and often together. Sometimes these groups will do more activities that have perhaps more of a social connection to their invitation. Our ladies who are well led by Eva will often do a walk around the Shep Lake here in Shepparton and then they'll end up for a coffee afterwards. That's great. It's, it's a great social connection. You get to meet people, you talk as you walk around the lake and you stop and you have coffee and you talk some more. It's a great social connection that our ladies under Eva have been doing. But sometimes also we'll do gatherings that are more gospel focused or gospel building and growing in our lives. And again, the ladies have done very well at this. They'll often have somebody who come and share over a, a dinner. They go out for dinner somewhere and someone will share about their testimony in their life of how the gospel has grown them into a new person in Christ. And through that ministry there, they grow relationship, they grow friendship, they grow that in the gospel. And that's terrific and that's vital. You see... If you want a friendship to establish and grow, this requires an investment on your behalf. This will require a willingness to invest time into meaningful relationships. Some of us may be more reclusive and keep to ourselves and simply happy with our own company just to stay at home and not really get too connected. And maybe you've thrived somewhat in this lockdown. Because you're just very happy to stay home and not really get involved. It's just too much effort to join in with others. Or you may even be afraid to connect with others too deeply. Because then they might discover who I really am. They might see my weaknesses. They might see my flaws or my faults. I can imagine that's difficult. It's difficult for all of us to be open and vulnerable. We've all got things somewhat we're hiding from others. But you see, Jesus Christ provides a whole new, whole new di- dynamic. I couldn't get that word out of. Jesus Christ provides a whole new dynamic to have safe friendships and relationships in. It's a whole new context. You see, the gospel in friendships is there for us to be open about our lives. It's there for us to be transformed in our lives through these relationships and friendships that we have with other people. The gospel's a whole new context and dynamic here where we can be open 
and we can see the gospel come in and change us and shape us into the image of Christ. Now, right now, it's really difficult to have these in-person relationships. I just can't, at the drop of a hat, go and do that. But there still are some means of how we can. Why not organise to meet somebody now and walk with them for personal exercise? That's still okay. You can meet at the Shep Lake, you can meet at Datura or wherever you might be. You can walk and you can talk. And you can build the gospel into your friendship in that context. That's a great way to build that uh, relationship in a deeper way. Also, you can use FaceTime or some other video calling with your phone or computer. We can't necessarily do lots of people at once, or that find, might find that difficult, but we actually can use FaceTime or video to still connect with people. Call somebody. Set aside 20 minutes to talk about life and share how things are going. A lot of us have been using Zoom of late, and I know lots of people feel this is really clunky. I don't like Zoom, lots of people are thinking, but it's another way to connect for people that we can't possibly just drive over and see. Now, let me tell you about Paul. I reckon he's in the ultimate lockdown here. He's in the ultimate lockdown of prison. If Zoom were available in Paul's day, he would be the number one user. He would be trying to exercise any possible way that he could connect with people. If Zoom was there, he would go for it. Here's what can happen sometimes when it's like this. We can think of all the negative. We can think of all the downsides of where we're at. It's too hard. It's too clunky. I don't like it. No, I'm not going to worry about it then. But why not think positive? Why not make use of what we have available to connect with people? Why not see this as an opportunity that I can actually invest into somebody's life and deepen my friendship and deepen my connection with them and to do that in a gospel sense? Also, let's not sit there and wait for people to contact us. Often that can be the case as well. Nobody's ever rung me. Nobody ever calls me. Why not you be proactive? Why not you be the first one to make that move and actually if somebody's name comes in your mind, ring them up, send them a text, grow that connection, be proactive, don't sit back and wait. You make the first move. Gospel friends. Friendship. We see Paul here closing out this letter in that way, telling us about his friends, greeting his friends, encouraging his friends, and receiving encouragement from his friends. Let me now finish this uh, series here of Colossians by just looking at verse 18, which I think is a glorious way to finish. It says there in verse 18 of chapter 4, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Often in Paul's letters, he would dictate and others would write. He would dictate and others would write it all down. But at the end of this letter, Paul says, I write this greeting with my own hand. Can you imagine the church when they're all sort of clamoring around to look at this copy, this, this letter that Paul's written? The originals obviously would have this, not the, the copies. Can you imagine when they saw Paul's scrawled greeting handwritten upon the letter? Can you imagine the excitement I believe they would have had at that time? You see, this Jesus-loving person whose hands have been battered and scarred from numerous lashings and beatings over time, 
Perhaps hands that could barely write because they were so scarred up and nailed up because of all the, the uh, stripes and the lashings that he received. And he says there, remember my chains. Now, I'm not sure why he says that. Maybe it's a prayer request or maybe it's a reminder again of the cost of the gospel and that Jesus is worth it all. Even though my hands are scarred up and I can barely write, I'm still going to try and scrawl my own greetings here. Maybe he's doing that. But as I think about that, here's the thoughts that come to mind. Paul's a brother. He's a friend. And he's writing to his friends. He's writing to his brothers and sisters in Christ. And although Paul is chained between two soldiers, Paul's heart is unchained. Paul's heart is unchanged. He may be chained up in a Roman prison, but as you read through Colossians, his heart is flowing free with joy in Christ. His heart is opened up into unbounded gospel passion in Christ as you read through the book of Colossians. Go back today, this week, and read through Colossians. It takes about 15 or 20 minutes. And just again, see afresh Paul's heart overflowing throughout this letter to the Colossians with love and truth and joy in the gospel. And then why not do this? Why not share your thoughts today from Colossians with a friend? Underline a passage in the Bible, ring up a friend and say, hey, what do you think of that verse? And see the gospel grow a very, very deep friendship in you. And as Paul says there to close off, May the grace of God be with you. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much that we can come this morning and uh, sit under your word. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, for inspiring the Apostle Paul to write this letter to the Colossians. And uh, Father, today we thank you for the mighty things that we've seen through the book of Colossians. We thank you, Lord, today also that we see the closing end of this letter where Paul personally uh, calls out names encourages people, receives encouragement for others, Lord. It really shows us an intimacy, Lord, of the New Testament, an intimacy, Lord, of the early church, an intimacy, Lord, the way they work together as a team. Father, please help us today. Please help us, Holy Spirit, to grow intimate friendships with other people. Help us to be willing to open ourselves up and to know, Lord, that you choose to use friends to help us to be healed and restored. When friends give us loving rebukes or loving counsel or loving encouragement, help us to receive that as it is, Lord, from a brother and sister in Christ who loves us, to encourage us. Help us, Lord, to be willing to make that time and not close ourselves off from people, but to invest into the lives of others, to sit and to listen and to hear their story. And to allow you to work in the middle of that Holy Spirit to grow us in deeper bonds of connection and relationship with each other. And may our community here at Exchange, Lord, be a glowing light of friendship that is bonded together by Christ. And this light becomes an attractive light, Lord, for others to join this community because of Jesus. Today, Father, we thank you for this letter in Colossians and pray your blessed to our hearts in every way, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, just as the music team came up, again, if you have any questions or queries about uh, today's talk,
or about our church, please go to info at exchangechurch.org.au and make connection there and I will personally reply to your email. Thank you. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people to Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.